So uh, welcome everyone to XPod. This is essentially where we discuss everything Elon Musk and all of his ventures. Um, today we're here to discuss the 2021 Tesla shareholder meeting. This will be sort of less of a formal, formal uh, chat and more of just like a pop store, popcorn style laid back discussion. So uh, we encourage anyone that has any thoughts or questions or whatever to uh, share them with the room and we'll sort of discuss it. And for anyone who's new to calling, on the bottom right, you'll see a, a little phone, a little caller feature where you can call in and then you can, we'll sort of bring you up either on stage or as a caller. And so you can answer or ask your question. Yeah, as I'm struggling to open my whiskey bottle, I'm I'm still like hung up on the model too. The 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 entire dodging that Elon did. Yeah, that, that was like a tour de force. But <laughs> I yeah, think that means- I, I was kind of hoping. I was hoping he, the person who asked the question wouldn't have called it the Model 2 because I feel like we would have gotten a better response. You know? But maybe a problem. Or something. I, I felt like he didn't want to respond. That, yeah. That, 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 I mean, yeah, we know now that Model 2 is not a car. <laughs> he said that on Battery Day, though. So yes, but everybody at Tesla calls it. it the Model 2 informally. So that's cheating. I think his response to that question couldn't Really? Yeah, I hate the name Model 2. Yes, we all do hate the name Model (laughs) 2, but that was not the substance of the question. The question was, like, what's happening with it? And he gave, gave, like, zero guidance on it. To me. That tells more to me. I'm glad they went through more than like, I can't remember how many questions they typically go through, but I'm glad they, you know, did like, I think 10, around 10. Um, I think it's usually five. Yeah, he was very generous with uh, the question taking. Yeah. I love that someone asked him like what his safety score was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know. Right, he should tweet it out later. <laughs> what's so what's the everyone's Bob thoughts on that? Um, Tesla moving to uh, Texas for their headquarters. Not surprised. Yeah. What's up, guys? Just uh, the Model 2 thing. One thing he did say was that he thought the Model Y would be the number one car in the world in 2023. So I guess you could deduce the Model 2 probably, you know, 2024 would be maybe the earliest, I would think. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Because it would still be ramping. Yeah. They usually try and do the unveil like two years, two to three years before the actual production start. So I'm guessing we'd see an unveil in 2022 with a late 2023, 2024 production. Yeah, that was my guess that he didn't want to say anything because that might be unveiled next year. Yeah, I think- also, when you hear him say, like, we're toying with not putting a steering wheel on it, you know, 2024, 2023, uh, you're really starting to get into that gray area where it's like, okay, do we need a steering wheel? But I think also post-autonomy, we could see a situation where the Model Y is still more popular than the Compact, just because autonomy changes the dynamics of, like, affordability of different people. And and I, I feel like the, the whole COVID and uh, supply um, strains that they went through, like, change a lot of their timelines. Uh, like the semi and the... I, I still feel like the Cybertruck is sandbagged. Like, I, I'm not quite believing the end of uh, 2022. 
what are your thoughts on this, Sawyer? Um, I've been <laughs> so. Why don't I share some news regarding that um, that I've heard from my own sources? Um, so, I've been told that the cyber Cybertruck will be on the road in the first half of 2022. Um, now, keep this in mind. This is very contingent on a smooth 4680 ramp and and, and like no production issues popping up. Now, obviously, because it's such a new vehicle, it's a revolutionary vehicle, really innovative. You know, I don't foresee like no issues popping up. Um, now, I'm not just saying this to cover my ass. This is just like reality. Um, but that's what I'm hearing. First half of 2022. Yeah. And I also saw a uh, shareholders meeting. I mean, an, uh, an internal Tesla all hands um, where Elon said that basically exactly what he said at the meeting today he said okay we're targeting we're targeting the second half of 2022 for production start volume production in 2023 so it seems like they're being fairly consistent uh in their public messaging that look this is about a year off from like what the configurator said we're targeting late 2022 production start now but internally you know their targets are a little more aggressive than what they're saying publicly yeah I, I got to say, I was surprised by the 4680. Yeah, the 4680, um, he said, like, end of 2022 to start, like, building the lines at uh, at Texas. And that Cato would be, yeah, Cato is pretty big and it's doing really good right now. But I, I was thinking they would start a little bit earlier. So they might be sandbagging. That. I think they are. I got to be honest. I think they are. Hi, K10. Hi, Brad. How's it going? I'm at an event right now, so I can't talk too much, but uh, good good meeting. Okay. Thanks, Brad. Hi, K10. You're at the same party. <laughs> how many how many tequila shots are you in? We're gonna we're gonna leave the party so we can talk on this. Like, how many people are at that party? Okay, I can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many tequila shots and how many people are at that party? I guess they can't hear you. <laughs> Come on, Jason has poor Wi-Fi or what? What did you guys think of the question at, during the shareholder, um, stockholder meeting shareholder, the first part, where they were talking about cobalt mining? And it's like, do they not keep up with information that Tesla puts out, that Elon says? Did you catch the full question? Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't catch the full questions, but yeah, they, they've been saying for a long time that they're removing cobalt from their their, their processes for the cathode. So yeah, you know. on battery day. Yeah, I got to say, like, uh, I really like like at the very beginning, uh, the chairwoman saying that this caught caught my attention when she says this is only the beginning. That really like gave me goosebumps. Am I coming? Yeah. Trying to bring my. See, we have a. Go ahead, Kitan. I have a hotel like five minutes away. 
that's a end here or somewhere else? That's a good question. I think <laughs> everybody at Jason's house like is overloading his Wi-Fi. Everybody's on its smartphone and on on calling and everything. It's like yeah. <laughs> I see some callers calling in. If you guys come or get called in. Be careful not to hit the hang up He's button. He's just going to drop me off. Well, we're, gonna go, we're just going to go for now, and I just if I come back. Yeah, we do so I want to leave my stuff. Be around, not yet. Just for the... All right. Yeah. Ju- just, <laughs> just for calling. We're coming back. Right. We're coming so, back. She's all right. So yeah, time. We'll be back. But I don't... Okay, do you guys hear thing? Yeah, you guys are on If she has a mic off, why? There's a bug. <laughs> Okay, so so I we got my- so we got uh, callers. <laughs> yeah, it's not working for some reason. I don't know. So Emmett, go ahead. You can unmute yourself. Can you guys hear me? Okay. Oh, oh no, there's another Emmett. Emmett. Oh. <laughs> the other Emmett. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, let's hear from the other Emmett. Two G's. Hey everyone. One thing that stuck. One thing that stuck out hey. with me is when the question about the new gigafactories being announced was that both Berlin and Giga Texas have a lot of ramping to do. And I'm suspecting they'll wait till they have all the lessons learned from getting over a million vehicles produced at each factory, at least, or at least reaching that capacity. Cause I suspect they're going to learn a lot in the process of getting there. And once they have those lessons learned down, then it would make sense to start building more factories. Cause if we can do 3 million and Austin and two million in Berlin. That's several years of growth and ramping. My AirPod case is in there. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes sense. I mean, I I, I don't think it makes sense to, uh, at least from Tesla's standpoint, I don't know if it makes sense to have a ton of new locations when when they can really just build upon the existing locations. Um, and I think that's probably the the direction they'll go, and that's sort of what Elon sort of hinted at. Um, but yeah, they've. I think they have plenty of room right now um, with the current factories, and they'll, they'll sort of just learn from it, as you said, like they did with Giga Shanghai. They took the learnings from that, and they made Giga Berlin and Giga Texas better. And I suspect, you know, whatever expansions that they'll do, they'll sort of do the same thing, and they'll take what they learned from Giga, Giga Texas and Berlin, and they'll just keep iterating. Sawyer, so I have a forty-six eighty question. I heard a rumor that. They've um, decided to use the high production model that's working at Candle Road with the high yield. Um, Galley said they're over 80% um, successful yield. That they're just going to say, all right, we're going to scale this and take this to Berlin and take this to <laughs> Texas because it's working. Have you, have you gotten rash curves for Russia? <laughs> As opposed to, um, K10, your mic's open. You know that? Sorry, go yeah, ahead, Emmett. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that the issues they were having, for example, the caking and trying to scale up the size of the equipment, they've opted to instead do that. Uh-huh. Um, just take the existing equipment that they know what the yields are going to be and, and could just expand that. Is there any truth to that? Or Actually, Alex, I think you'd be able to decipher that a little bit better than I could. I know. I need a car yeah. wash. Can you wash my car later? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see if I can remove them from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Before we hear something we're not supposed to. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. You, you're talking about like the, uh, the denting of the ro- rollers. Is that what you're talking about Emmett? 
Well, I guess we can take this question in parts. Is it accurate that they're able to get 80 plus percent yield at Cato Road currently? Yes, more, more than 80. All right, beautiful. So with the equipment and the form factors that they're able to get that high yield, the rumor is they're just going to take that scale of equipment and take that to Berlin and take that to Austin, as opposed to trying to make bigger rollers and dealing with those other issues that they were having. I'm trying to get clarity on that. No, 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 no. Okay. So you got to understand like the, 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 the batteries that they were making, uh, let's say at battery day, those were from the pilot line and what they're working on now, which is what is going to be scaled at is called the Roadrunner line. And the Roadrunner line is much, much wider than the pilot line. Uh, and that line is they're working on to make that line perfect. So, so it can have high throughput and high yield before they, they build them out at Berlin and Texas. Because once you start building them out, if each line has an underlying like engineering problem that hasn't been discovered, well, you're just multiplying the cost and the shutdowns of all these lines uh, for no reason. So right now, they're having good yield, but they're, the throughput is still low. So they're going faster and faster and to reach a certain number I can't tell you. And once, as they're ramping, they're discovering little issues here and there, which they're fixing successfully. But yeah, they're, they're not going to install pilot lines everywhere. They're going for the Roadrunner lines everywhere. Emmett, does that answer your question? In Berlin. Yes, but you got to remember, Cato has been producing a shit ton of batteries. And it, it still can produce. Uh, if I remember correctly, Elon mentioned that the Cato Road, even though it is a, like a, a pilot facility or, or an R&D facility, it's still like going to do 10 gigawatt hours per year of capacity. So it's not, you know, like peanuts. It's not like a little lab. No, 10 gigawatts is great. In fact, I think it'll be a while before the production out of Texas will be able to reach 10 gigawatts of... Exactly, exactly. So the, they'll be using the batteries. Like the batteries are not scrapped. Like you said, the yields are good. But uh, yeah, the, the important thing for them at Cato is like getting a perfect Roadrunner line that can have high throughput, high yield, and that's highly scalable uh, I think one of the words was we use hyperscalable, which means it's like plug and play. You put these lines and there's no troubles, uh, uh, as little human intervention as possible. If you listen to the, uh, to the, the, the podcast we did called 4680 production update, you'll see the metrics that they use. We mentioned them, uh, and this is what they're working on, like right now, like, and not, this is an every day they have a task list of what they're working on and fixing and discovering and the next day and so on and so forth. Alex, I did listen to that podcast. It's fantastic. In fact, anyone who's listening to this podcast that hasn't listened to the 4680 podcast, I recommend you listen to it if you're interested. 
Also, I'll, I'll add for the Android users, we uh, the XPod has an official YouTube channel just just called XPod, where we upload our episodes there too for the Android users who can't access it for the iPhone. Just for a little context, um, ten gigawatt hours would be one hundred twenty-five thousand vehicles minimum. So that's um, if they could get to that number, that would definitely help Austin and Berlin. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we heard also that Tesla was stockpiling some 4680s. It's clear, it's unclear how many, but I think that could help them sort of um, get off the ground at, at Giga, Texas. Exactly. All right, I think we'll take the next caller. Thank you, Emmett. Oh, it's, uh, is it? Yeah, it's Ricky. The animated uh, Star Wars, Tesla Wars. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> hey, guys. Why is that mutant? Hey. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, it's showing up on mine as uh, still having the mute on. Um, it's a little buggy. I <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so a couple of takeaways. I just wanted to say that the two things that really jumped out at me. Um, AI day was a success. I mean, if you look at the metrics of how many people applied afterwards, that's how it, it was a pretty big deal. Um, yeah, that was our goal. I mean, that was the whole thing was to essentially get more recruits and it seems like it worked. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing was that, you know, the talking about the rise in the price of the cars due to, you know, the supply chain problems, he actually mentioned that they were flying parts around the world. I mean, to me, going to that extra effort and cost to to not stop production when other companies are just shutting down, I, I found that pretty impressive. I'm kind of also wondering how that's going to hit the bottom line. Yeah, you know, we, we've seen this with Giga Shanghai with the high localization of, of parts and sourcing. It really helps to decrease both shipping costs and sourcing costs. Um, and that really improves the margins there. So that's why we're seeing such great margins from, uh, partly from good. Yeah. I, I feel like the, the improvement of margins with the, the processes that they've started to do in house might not show up. Like it's probably in stealth mode until next year, uh, just due because of this flying of parts and, uh, supply chain constraints that they're doing now. So it, it, it's almost like they're flying under the radar. And people are not going to see like the improvements on margins like right away, but then suddenly it's going to hit like it's going to hit the market like a ton of bricks. How good Tesla has become uh, in 2022. That um, talking about, you know, it, it was kind of disappointing to hear like, oh, major production 2023 Cybertruck. I know we kind of already thought that, um, but I, it made me start thinking about you know, Ford and GM making these um, plans and saying, you know, by 2025 to have these plans built and yada, yada. If you actually do the math, I mean, it almost seems like they're anywhere from five to seven years behind. You know, if they are actually successful in, in building out what they're already building, we know for a fact that Tesla's innovation, I mean, I think it was St. Eamon Rose that coined um, the, they move at the speed of thought. You know, how quickly can these other companies move uh, in, in that competition ring? Uh, 
Well, I've heard that GM has like a magnificent business plan that will make them like valued as much as Tesla. So my, I have, yeah, in 10 years. So I have full confidence in, 10 years. in Mary Barra and GM. <laughs> just, just, just keep buying every little thing, Nikola, Lordstown, whatever it takes to just get their name out there. Exactly. <laughs> oh, by the way, I just noticed we have Sean, Sean Mitchell. How you doing? First hey, time hey. on Colin? Yeah. So what do you think of uh, the, the shareholder meeting? I mean, the biggest takeaway, in my opinion, was the, was the move to Texas. Uh, I, I had some insight in, into that. I, I, at least I expected that to come uh, based on some things that I had heard. So I'm glad they're doing it. Hopefully it gives Tesla some more leverage in Texas as well in terms of selling all sorts of vehicles to the state as well as uh, the central part of uh, the U.S. So um, I'm, I'm Yeah, and the logo is bitching. <laughs> Don't mess with Texas. Yep. <laughs> or Tesla. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to say. I, I... We lost you, Alex. Oh, am I muted? Sorry. No, you're good now. Oh, I'm good. Yeah, I got to say, like, I took a little notes. Uh, and Elon mentioned at some point that Shanghai was low drama. And that was a little shot. Oh, we lost you again. A little shot at what? A little shot at Fremont. Jesus, what's wrong with the... The mute button's messed up, too. Yeah, a lot of bugs tonight. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's me because I up up updated to iOS 15. But yeah, no bueno. No, there was an update on the app, and I've, I, I noticed a lot of differences. Yeah, I, I updated. Maybe I shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. If anyone else has any questions, feel free to, to call up and uh, to ask away. Oh, we lost you again, Alex. You're very... Wow. This is... Okay, I got to keep an eye on the mute button. Uh, I, uh, when yeah. they said that they're going to increase Fremont by 50%, uh, yeah, I, I don't know where how they're going to do that. But I got to say, like, when he talked about the rocket equation, I think Emmett mentioned... Uh, how they're going to, you know, wait to see what kind of upgrades they can do in Berlin and Giga Texas before, like, landing on a, on a new site. Uh, yeah, when he, he was mentioning, like, the cycle time, uh, reducing the cycle time, I'm wondering what they, they're thinking, uh, how they're going to pull this off. We, we know Giga Castings, like, basically remove a whole bunch of the, the body shop, but what else are they cooking up, uh, these, in, these mad engineers? Yeah, uh, got my. That stuck to my mind. I gotta say, it, it would surprise me if they retrofitted the current factory at Fremont. You know, I, I would feel like they would at least piece by piece potentially rebuild it because um, the current layout is an absolute jumbled mess, as Elon said. Yeah, and you can't do everything in tents, you know. So, so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> how they plan to do that, that 50% increase, but you got to know they're working on something. Yeah. They yeah. know it planned out. I'll take the next caller here. Thanks, Ricky. And thanks for the animated pics with the songs. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That was epic. So I'm hitting next caller, but it doesn't seem to be doing anything. Uh, let me gone. try. <laughs> 
Sean, were you trying to say something? Maybe. I was just affirming okay. that uh, that it. Yeah, that was good. Do you, do you, while we're waiting, do you guys know if Elon's planning to be at the Gigafest on Saturday in Berlin, or what are you? What are you guys? Have you guys heard anything about that? Is he going to present there? Anything? I don't know if he's going to present, but I, I believe he tweeted out that he will be there. So, but if he's there, I'm assuming he's going to speak because, you know, yep. why would that's what I heard too. Yeah. yeah, he should be there. All right, let's see if it works. Yeah, the the tents and the lights that we saw today were, were they looked awesome. Giga Berlin. Alex, is it working for you? I can't seem to. Uh, you mean the next call? Yeah, it's just not working for me. Okay, I see Shaolin. Oh, Shaolin, you're up. You can unmute. Maybe. I've gotten like 15 DMs from people having issues. Yeah, the mute button is... I'm using my headphones mute because it's just not working right. I told Jessica... Yeah. Where's the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you got to unmute yourself. If you can. Shall we? Yeah. Well, we had Oh, there he is, David Sachs. Come on up. <laughs> we had Axel earlier, but <laughs> He probably doesn't want yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> probably on here as a burner account listening to see if it's okay to No, there, there, yeah. there's something with the latest update that's making a little less stable. Phone, phone is also oh, getting louder. Hey guys. Oh really? Hey Dave. Hey, welcome thanks to for having stage. me. Yeah, there is. Um, there have been some changes going on. Ooh. Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah, mm -hmm. we can hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. can't see you, but yeah. I can hear you. No. I can see you now. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some bugs going on. We have a new version coming out imminently. I'm Oh, now I can see you and I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, the app just cut you off. But this is like, early days, guys. We're we're sticking with it. it was, so, yeah, it was doing that to you, Alex. That's why yeah. Sorry, you. this is this is unusually buggy. I don't know what's going on. Um, there there is a yeah, big. Yeah, it's been doing real good. There's a big. Um, there's a new version of the of the app coming in the next couple of days. So a lot of bug fixes are coming. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Cool. We'll been, be on lookout for well, David, do you have any impressive them? app so far? Yeah. Yeah, I just tweeted <laughs> some. Texas's gain is California's loss. This is obviously a huge win for Texas. Yeah. It's a disaster for California. I mean, they had in California the most important company in the clean energy space. And so you have the government, particularly federally, but also in California spending billions of dollars to be on the forefront front of clean energy. And they're creating all sorts of grant programs to stimulate manufacturers, specifically of EVs to come to the state. And they had, they had the premier EV company in the state. And then you had politicians in California just drive them away. I mean, you had Luena Gonzalez, the speaker of the house, tell Elon to F off in that tweet. Well, he listened, he listened. So that's why he left. And now California's lost this unbelievable opportunity. And the crazy thing too. is, 
you had Governor Newsom go out and say, hey, Hyundai, I hope you're listening. We've created this $250 million EV grant program for you to try and attract Hyundai to come to the state to make their EVs. Well, I mean, really, we're going to kick out Texas. Sorry, we're going to kick out Tesla, which we already had, in order to pay to replace that with Hyundai. I mean, have, have you guys heard of any EVs that Hyundai makes? I mean, do they make a quality EV product? I mean, does it even remotely compare to Tesla? It's just, it's crazy to me. No. So it's just crazy to me. I mean. Well, we know how much hate no. Elon gets. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I don't think you want to get on Elon's bad side. Like that F off. Like he had enough. And, you know. Well, and it was, you know, it wasn't just a war of words. They also locked the doors of that Fremont factory. Yeah. You know, it was like a local county health inspector or whatever who just shut them down unilaterally even though in lots of other parts of the country they could have stayed open just maintaining protocols but that wasn't good enough yeah that whole thing was a shit show and he he's yeah. too he's too involved he put too much work in there like when you hear him's like he's sleeping in the factory uh you know you you take that kind of uh that kind of stuff like personally and yeah, I, I'm I'm super glad they're in Texas. Uh, I'm glad they're not also leaving California completely, but moving the the headquarters. That that's a big signal, I think, for the future. Right, right. They haven't shuttered their factories here, but they're but what they've indicated is that the future growth of the company is not going to take place in California. It's going to take place in Texas and other places. So what California has done is sort of shoot themselves in the foot, and you know that future growth is going to happen in other states. Yeah, low drama states. Yeah. Well, you know, a, a former governor of California who became president, uh, Ronald Reagan, once said that, you know, the philosophy of government is if it moves, um, tax it, if it keeps moving, regulate it. And if it stops moving, subsidize it. So we've moved. <laughs> I mean, that's basically the three phases that California went through with Texas, with, with Tesla, is they essentially drove them out. And then once Tesla indicated they're leaving, they're now trying to subsidize other EV manufacturers, manifestly worse ones that make worse products to come to California to replace them. It's just, it's, um, it's insane. Anyway, I know you guys aren't here to talk about politics. So, um, but you asked me what I thought about the, the California thing. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. No, we're here to talk about whatever. So yeah, no. it's, good. it's all good. Yeah. That, that was a big, yeah, big announcement. It. A lot of things were sandbagged in that shareholder meeting, but the, what came out through loud and clear is that Tesla is moving to Texas headquarters and that's where the growth is going to be happening for, for the, for at least for a few years, a lot of the growth in the U S will be coming from, from Texas. Yeah. It's I mean, the mass a, exodus continues. It's less of a commute commute from Starbase <clears throat> to Austin. So, it's all good for Elon. And, you know, even though I think... Yeah, he kept plugging SpaceX also. Go <laughs> yeah, ahead, Omar. <laughs> yeah, even though uh, I think this is going to be framed as a political issue, it just makes a lot of practical sense. You know, we just took this autopilot drive across the country. We stopped in Austin. I mean, things are just growing like crazy there. People are moving there. The city is booming. There's empty space as far as the eye can see. Low taxes, low cost of living for people who want to move there. Regardless of the politics, it's just a great, great place to be and be expanded. I agree. The politics gave them an excuse to make a, a better situation yeah. for themselves. 
The only question now, I think, or one of the questions is, does the Texas government or officials allow them now to sell and deliver directly to customers? Will this move encourage them to finally make it available? Hopefully. The law has to change. No it's got to change first. So hopefully this gives them some more leverage. I, I, I really do hope that the law changes this next uh, legislative session, which would be 2023. So they've got another shot at this. Uh, hopefully uh, more electric car makers get behind this as well and, and dump a bunch of uh, lobbying money into it. But law's got to change. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think this is where you kind of see some of the 40 chests of the move for people who know about really the Texas oil boom and how te Texas industrialized. It was really driven by, you know, the discovery of oil refinement, all that stuff. This is really the oil industry stronghold. You've got, I think, Exxon, head Exxon headquartered in Houston, so much of the industry in Texas. It's a political stronghold for them, too, which is part of the reason why Tesla can't deliver cars. Tesla setting up, becoming a big employer in the state, having a voice. It's going to make a lot of difference on a bunch of different issues, including being able to sell their cars in the second biggest state. In the also, it's a question of religious liberty at this point, you know, religious freedom. Uh, you know, as a, as a, you know, there's a lot of, of a follower of Muscanity uh, in Texas that uh, should have the God-given rights to buy a Tesla, you know, and get it delivered to their door. Uh, John, Silicon Valley, and Dave, and K10, I all invited you guys up if you want to come up and join us. Yeah, I, I, I'll also add that it's... Yeah, me, me too, it doesn't work. I tried, and she couldn't get up. Uh, I'll also add that it's, it, to that point of, of religious and political freedom, uh, this should be a choice of every Texan to be able to select how they want to purchase their car. And it's asinine that largely this is influenced by the Auto Dealer Association of Texas. And I've, I had some experience, uh, fortunate or unfortunate experience in Colorado, uh, heading up against the dealer association there. And they are, they are sly and crafty, much as you would expect car salesmen. And uh, they, they've got a lot of influence in, in, the, um, uh, in, in the political yeah. realm. So I think, I think Tesla moving to Texas makes a ton of sense in that way to hopefully help now they become a constituent, right? They're, they're a business constituent in the state of Texas. They're headquartered there. They're, they're producing vehicles there. Um, my hope is... Big employer. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Both, both for SpaceX and Tesla. I think he can pull... Elon could, will be able to pull, like, both set of strings. Yeah. I mean, I think with California, as much as I love California, pretty much being bo not necessarily born, but pretty much raised here my whole life. Um, I just know that, unfortunately, the way that California is set up, it just sucks the life out of businesses really growing and scaling. And Elon mentioned that, right? It's it's hard to literally scale a business in the Bay Area. I'm surprised they even had the factory here. I mean, obviously, they took it over from Numi but like, and Toyota. But it's just it's insane that they've gotten to where they have literally probably in the most expensive place to literally build a, or to have a factory to, to build cars. So it makes complete sense. It, it sucks that it got political, but... I mean, you got to do what you got to do and what's, what's, whatever is best for the company is what they're going to do. Yeah, but I'm wondering, like, could Tesla have had a start the way it had in any other state than California, like early days? Like, that's where they got the most support, like... Uh, probably not. So there's that too, right? Because as far as even the Bay Area, it's probably one of the most progressive 
you know, places and thinking, um, you know, it's, it's definitely one way thinking up here in my opinion, but you know, I definitely, because of the EV movement, I mean, sure. You probably could not have sold as many EVs. Cause I think for a while, I mean, the Bay area was, you know, they were the top seller or buyer for these EV cars, especially in the early. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. That was the only place to start, but to keep growing, they need to to move out of uh, out of California. For the next like uh, one to two million car factory, it had to be in, in another state, and I think Texas is a perfect choice. Hey, just like Earth is the cradle of the human species, California is the cradle of Texas. Yeah, it's the cradle of innovation. To, to be honest, like for well, it, it might change with time. But for, for a lot of people, like if, if you're starting a tech company, California is still like the place to be. I mean, Tesla started in a place with more brilliant engineers than maybe any other place in the software industry. This next phase is about building, building millions of autonomous electric vehicles. And Texas is the perfect place. Absolutely. I liked how he said he was going to make the the whole Tesla area of ecological paradise. Oh yeah, yeah. They they already you, you can tell that they they decided to keep a few like old growth trees like standing amongst like all the constructions, and you you, you can see like starting to take shape like where there's going to be lots of grass and trees and and everything. It's yeah, it's going to be beautiful. I can just imagine, like, the people who, who commute on that highway. I th- is it the A10? I'm not sure anymore. Anyway, the, the people who drive that, that highway every day, seeing that monster gigafactory getting built. Grow. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's got to be encouraging, like, uh, for the economy, for everything. Like, seeing, seeing their state being developed with, like, a world leader. And I got to say, like, the whole Biden thing, like, not mentioning Tesla and all that. I think that's going to, like, work against him, like, big time. Because you can't go, uh, I was listening today to Stephen Mark Ryan, he did a, a video uh, analyzing Chamath like sell of Tesla, like his Tesla shares. And he went to clips and he explained it beautifully. And like one of the things Chamath said was, um, you know, like, this is like a world, world class company. And Elon is like, a once in a generation or multi generation, like entrepreneur, and having that build something in your state uh even though it's a foothold like a stronghold of big oil uh like consumer demand like you can't get it ahead of consumer demand you can't like you know you can't stop that and what consumers wants and also uh employees want because they want jobs at some point like the tide is going to be unstoppable it's going to be a tsunami and whoever stands in its way is going to get like rolled over We take some uh, callers. Uh, Pan, you're uh, you're up. You just gotta unmute yourself on the bottom right. Pan, you there? We'll take the next caller. Jose, you're up. 
I think they've been sitting on the in the caller queue too long, and they all left. Yeah, they went stale. Yep. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just keep talking. Yeah. No, let's take, take Brian. There's Brian Shaolin. Let's see if Brian, what's up? I got to say, I appreciate the support. Like we have 173 people in this room. Like I really appreciate people like joining us and sticking uh, with us. And yeah, the app is, is a little bit buggy and people need to learn how to use it. And, oh, I see we have Dave Lee that joined us. So I'm going to send him an invite to come up on stage. And we have Noor. Noor, can you unmute? Yes. I don't know if you can guys hear me. Yes, we okay, can. Okay, thank you. First, thank you guys for everything you do. I, I really follow you guys. And it's it's really take a lot of work and effort. You keep posting us, you know, update us with everything. I really enjoy it. Thank you so much. Um, my question is, I don't know, it might be a stupid question, but I just have to ask. Um I have Tesla, I have Bitcoin, I have uh, Ethereum on my portfolio. And uh, I, I just have wonder if Tesla will ever take Ethereum with Bitcoin or it's just going to be a Bitcoin thing. Do you guys think, do you think this could happen or not? There are more reasons to accept Ethereum than accept Bitcoin as long as Ethereum 2.0 comes along. For a, from an ecological purpose, perspective, at least. So, yeah, that's possible. Pref- yeah, I, was, <laughs> um, I, I hope they will. I mean, uh, yeah. But, but always remember, like, uh, there's always Doge, and the most uh, uh, funny outcome is usually the one that comes true, so entertaining outcome. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think, I think Doge is going to be more for used Tesla cars. Not the new ones. If you if they have any used inventory, I always thought about it. Like in my back of my brain, well, Doge will be you know the cheap crypto where it can be used to purchase, you know maybe a subscription for self driving monthly, you know instead of Ethereum and Bitcoin will be the high when you can buy a new car with it. We never know, but just so we're making it clear, we're not giving investment advice here. We're just all speculating on what might happen. So, no, you're not. <laughs> well, we have the Pope of Muscanity with us, so maybe things are being foretold, but we can't tell if they're being foretold. So, <laughs> yeah, I never make an investment advice. It's always religious advice. You should buy Tesla or religious. <laughs> Religious purpose. Of course, I I do I do have Tesla, but I like to have all the you know diverse my portfolio, make sure I have so many things on it. Well, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Taking the next caller, uh, Ricky, you're back. Yeah, I just wanted to let the other callers know coming up that because of the changes on the app. Um, even though you unmute down at the bottom, the mute symbol will stay on your picture until you talk. So that might be some of the confusion there. Oh, thanks a lot. So uh, don't pay any attention to the mute symbol on your picture. Just keep going and uh, it'll unmute if you're unmuted down at the bottom. 
So if if I got you correctly, like focus on the mute symbol that's on the bottom right of your tray and don't look at the mute symbol that's next to your profile pic on stage. Yeah, yeah it will stay okay. muted until you actually speak. Oh, that that's cool. Th- thanks a lot, Ricky. I'm uh, going to take the next yeah, one, no Brian. Uh, let's see. Brian J, you're you're up. So unmute and start speaking. Okay, there we go. App wasn't refreshing. Sorry about that. Um, so uh, anybody's opinion on Tesla doing in Texas? Um, the deal that they did, I think it was New Mexico with um, the uh, Indian reservation. Uh, can you expand a bit about that for, for our audience? Uh, so the, it was either New Mexico or Arizona. They also had the same problem where they didn't allow manufacturer direct sales. So they put their sales and service center on Indian reservation because that's technically not state property. Oh, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, Sean Mitchell, do you have any insights into that? Yeah, it was New Mexico, uh, and they did indeed do that. I don't know the details of how they made that work, but I thought it was just a stroke of brilliance that they just side-skirted the... Uh, the, uh, the, yeah, the I, I don't expect that to happen. In fact, um, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong here, if anyone knows more than I do, um, but I don't believe that um, Native American reservations are an option in Texas. We have them, so... I mean, look, the long-term objective is not everybody who buys a Tesla visits an Indian reservation to pick them up. They want to be able to deliver it to your house or have you pick it up in your neighborhood. Um, And I'm confident that with the headquarters in Texas, with them building a factory in Texas, what is, you know, the Texas legislature doing if they don't allow Tesla to deliver cars in the Yeah, it's it, it's quite a large state. Yeah, uh, I, I think Tesla would be better served as well as their customers if if they could just have the ability to do direct sales. Um, my guess is it's going to look a lot like some of these other states, um, like what they did here in in Colorado when Rivian went in. They just they they negotiated a deal which the Auto Dealer Association was on board with, where any new automaker who is only who's only selling electric vehicles can sell direct to consumers so they kind of handcuff the traditional automakers and i think that that will in turn long term end up fucking these these traditional automakers because they're going to want to sell direct eventually too but what i expect to see is is uh, some sort of bill that allows automakers only selling electric cars to Oh my God, Sean just dropped the F bomb on the podcast. Am I not allowed to? I mean, yes, of course. Kick me out? <laughs> no, no, but like uh, Ross Gerber dropped it on Yahoo Finance today, and now you're dropping here. <laughs> yeah, but it's perfectly fine. Yep, there will be a highlight. Yeah, there will be a highlight of that. <laughs> just, just say 10 Hail May, and you will be forgiven. <laughs> okay, so Shaolin, you're up as the next caller. Hey guys, thanks for the show. I'm just curious. I missed some of the 
meeting, did they say anything about the stock split? Yeah, no stock split. Oh, okay. <laughs> no dividends. <laughs> Love the guy. Yeah, yeah no. I would have been shocked if he had said anything about dividends. Like, they have so much growth ahead of them. And that, yeah. Yeah, that company yeah. is, like, so innovative that, you know, yeah, the, the return on capital, much better to invest it in Tesla than to give back money to shareholders or buy back stock, seriously. Well, in the stock split, they're not going to announce something like that until it's close to actually happening. So, yeah. yeah. It's not like Elon will be like, all right, we'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it will take time to plan. Okay, so next caller, Usman. Uh, let me get you up. A little bit of technical difficulties. Hey, guys. Can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Um, I just have one question. Um, I don't know if, if you got it, but uh, when Elon was, uh, Elon was mentioning about um, starting production at Texas, uh, we're talking about 4680. So before that, was expecting that maybe they would start with uh, 2170. So, did you get that if they're starting production with 4680 in Texas for Model Y? It's uh, any thoughts? Well, I mean, we've always known that they were starting 4680. Uh, they were going to do 4680 Model Y in Texas. We know that long term, they're actually going to make the cells there. Right now, they're going to start off with cells from Cato, but long term, they will make the cells there now. You know, there have been a lot of challenges scaling up 4680, which is ex uh, expected. You know, battery cells are difficult. And especially when you look at what happened with the Chevy Bolt and stuff like that, that's not a situation we want. So there was some question about whether Austin would start with 4680Y or whether they would go with the backup plan of using a 2170 line. It sounds like they are going to start with the 4680 or at least have it as an option which is huge, huge news. This is going to be a dramatically better vehicle. And when you hear kind of like some of the rumors about the air suspension and the things like that, um, you know, we're looking at a Model Y with maybe 400, uh, edging up to like 500 miles of range. So this is going to be a dramatically better vehicle. Yeah, thank you. I'm very excited for that. Thanks. Bye. Okay, David, you're up. Okay, can you all hear me? I think I got it working. Yes. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much for putting this together. And uh, thank you to everybody who shares so much in this community. I feel like I've learned a lot about, obviously, Tessa, but investing. And um, I hear, you know, the community talking a ton about, obviously, Tesla as a business and then some of the, the forward-thinking um, concerns around uh, meeting supplies and that kind of stuff. And I'm wondering, I'm doing a lot of research in the battery materials um, arena. So that's lithium, nickel, cobalt, manganese, you know, on down through um, various cathodes in the future. And um, there's a lot of alarm bells going off amongst that community about the potential to supply. And Tesla's obviously very forward-thinking in putting together these supply chains, and um, they're way more 
advanced in understanding all of this. But Elon also today at the meeting sort of uh, mentioned lithium not being a problem. And that you know, may, may turn out to be the case for Tesla if they're so advanced about locking supply. But it is it seems like it's going to be a huge issue to EVs in general being able to scale at the pace that a lot of these manufacturers want to. And I feel like I've learned so much about thinking about the future and investing from everybody in the test community, but I haven't heard them talking about this concern. And I'm just wondering if any of you are in that realm of thinking and and have thoughts to share. Thanks. Yeah, the the supply chain is always going to be like because you're you're mining like raw material. There's always going to be a lag because setting those things are are there's a long lead time for them to become like uh, productive. But I think there uh, the, the market is is always there to provide like what the market demands. So yes, yeah, some people like Tesla uh, market leaders are going to probably get the the lion's share uh, of of these resources. And other ones will probably have a little bit of trouble for a time until, because everybody's waking up now to the fact that our future is electric. And if you remember what Elon said during the shareholder meeting, it's not the first time he's mentioned it. But if if you look at uh, mobility becoming fully electric, and then uh, also heating, home heating and cooling becoming also fully electric, there's going to be a ton of both batteries needed and raw materials to make those batteries, both for EVs and for stationary storage, whether it's the, the power wall in your house or it's the, the mega pack at, uh, at the utility level. But yeah, so the market will provide and there will be probably supply constraints for a while, but these will, I'm actually not worried about it personally. Let's not also forget that companies like Tesla and other major uh, manufacturers are are putting money into the recycling piece of this as well. So I think that's another valid point to bring up that not only do you have to invest into uh, mining the raw materials, but uh, I think in general, you have to do a better job at recycling. Yeah, absolutely. He, I, Elon actually mentioned like batteries are high grade ore. Uh, so it makes all the sense. You wouldn't find such high grade ore anywhere else than in a battery. So the, the cost of recycling makes so much sense. Uh, compared to like mining new materials, I think um, that on battery, oh. they, they even mentioned that they were going to mine if they needed to. They had the property to do it. I want to comment about like there's some people out there spreading fears about these shortages, and I think some of it is them talking their own book, and they're they're paid to promote stocks. Um. I'm not going to name names of these companies, but um, I think things are going to be fine. If you know, if we look at battery day, essentially Tesla basically told us they can use like 40% less battery material and get the same amount of range. Um, so I think that's another way where they can get around this, you know, intense need that they will have for, you know, different metals and minerals. Yeah. And you got to remember, Elon was very clear to, to all current battery supplier, whatever you can make 
we'll buy it. So it's not like uh, the battery day in 4680 uh, made by Tesla is going to put anybody out of business. Like they're going to buy everything that the market can output for the foreseeable future. So I, I think people need to realize this, that uh, stationary storage has been mostly like uh, curbed uh, because of chip supplies and all these things. But uh, once all these supply constraints uh, are at the door and all these huge factories start ramping, they're going to need everything that every supplier in the, on the planet can actually make for them. And they're going to be purchasing it and utilizing it. Amen. I am going to go because I have so much praying to do for the future of Tesla. <laughs> so um, I'll see you uh, all faithful ones. Thanks a lot, Pope. Thanks for joining us. And we okay. appreciate your prayers. Okay, we have next caller. John, you're up. John, you're up. Unmute and speak. Going once, going twice, and we're back to Jose. <laughs> Jose, you're up. All right, let's see if it works this time. Um, thanks for putting this together. Uh, Elon said that it takes about a year for a factory to cramp to capacity. Um, with Berlin and Austin coming online, Any thoughts on what that cramp looks like? Is there any production out of those factories this year, Q4? Uh, what does Q1, Q2 look like? Well, ramping and starting production, like you start the ramp by starting production. So ramping to full capacity by Giga Shanghai takes about a year. So you, you, it, production will start end of this year, beginning of next year. So by end of 22, there, there should be at full production of the capacity that's installed there. But do you think we start with a um, small number? It always starts with small numbers. And this is where it's the, the, it's the most unpredictable. It's at the very beginning because that's where you have to fix the most issues. But then when you start ramping, it becomes way more predictable. So, you know, it, it depends how many new innovations they've, they've put into these factories. Like, we know there's, a, like, a whole new uh, painting system in both factories. They'll probably get a lot of support from the manufacturer of that uh, uh, paint shop. But, you know, everything needs to be ramped. And these things, like, usually you go slow to find all these bugs and fix them. So it, it's hard to predict, like, the initial numbers that, that are going to come out uh, of, of these factories. But I think a lot of people don't realize is that uh, Giga Texas is so huge, a lot of sections are already set up and already doing trial runs, pre-productions of, of the Model Y. So it, it's a, like a well-kept secret what, what's going on in there because we can't see it anymore because it's all walled off. But, yeah, it's working in there. Thanks a lot, Jose. We have Joseph, you're up. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, perfect. 
Uh, yeah, my, uh, my question was like, since they're going to start producing the Model Y from the Austin factory, and assuming it's with the 4680 cell, like how are they going to show it on like the Tesla website, like the Model Y from the Fremont factory and the Model Y from the Austin factory? Is it going to be like different nope. Model Ys or is it going to be? Nope. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, like uh, they don't tell you where it's made and they don't tell you what's inside like the batteries. This is less just like for us nerds. We want to know what kind of batteries are in there. But for, for the regular consumer, like, first of all, they don't care. They just look at the car, the range, the price, you know, like wh- which other buyer like buys like a BMW and, and wonders about like whether it was GigaCast or the engineering and all that stuff. Like, no. Uh, so, and it, well, I think there the will be move. some functional differences. Like, you know, I think the new Model Y is going to have more range, potentially up to fifty percent more range than the existing models, um, and it'll be better in some other, you know, more subtle ways as well. It'll potentially have a faster charging time. So, I think what I would expect to see is the existing Model Y become the standard range Model Y, and uh, the other Model Y coming at a higher price point because, you know, they're going to be basically shipping these 4680s from California to Texas. The margins are going to be a little tighter as they're ramping up production, you know, starting negative and then moving forward from there. So I wouldn't be surprised to see them kind of say, okay, this is the long range or the long range plus Model Y. It now has, you know, 450 miles of range or something like that. And it's going to be a little higher price point. And we're dropping the existing one a little bit and calling it the standard rangers. Omar, are you proposing that the Model Y would have a higher range? Than- uh, potentially. You know, those vehicles would be moved over to 4680 as well. But, um, you know, the vehicle, the range on those vehicles is pretty good. You know, the Model Y, Model S is at 405. Um, so it does seem like they're prioritizing the Model Y for 4680 over the S right now, given that they don't have too many cells. Um, I think it's uh, more important for the Model Y, the Cybertruck. No, but I would agree with Omar that uh, depending on what technology is being used in each Model Y, they might change the variants, but they're not going to advertise. This is like a 4680 cell Model Y. You know what they're I not going like, to call it a 4680, no. No, they're exactly. They're not going to call it an Austin either. They're yeah. just going to say, this is the Model Y whatever. And let's say they called it, for example, Long Range Plus or something like that. They would probably eventually make Long Range Plus Model Y in Fremont as well um, and maybe make Standard Range Model Y in Texas. So, I, you know, I don't think they're going to let people pick where it comes from necessarily, but they're just going to route supply uh, to where it Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ricky, you're up. Hey, guys. Uh, first off, I, I didn't comment back earlier, but uh, yeah, thanks for being good sports about the animation thing. I didn't, um, you never know how those are going to go over. So thanks for being good sports about that. Um, yeah. It was a lot of fun. The more I got into it, the more I started I it's hilarious. like, okay, I have to put this out. Um, uh, second, I, yeah, you're blocked now. <laughs> <laughs> Second, um, I kind of took that interpretation from when he was talking about they they didn't think that 
these cars needed over 400 miles. So even though, like, if we think back to when battery day, they said that they could get more range out of their batteries. I think that would mean a, a smaller pack size with the excess never really going over 400 because of the amount of people that would never really drive more than 400 miles in one city, especially if they can get the um, charge time down and increase their um, infrastructure with the charging stations. So, I mean, am I like going to eat my shorts on that and say, uh, do I disagree with it being over 400 miles? I, I just think the battery pack size would shrink and they would try to keep it anywhere from 350 to 400 miles. I, I, I mean, does anybody have any other like maybe the Cybertruck would definitely need more range because it's going to pull. But the smaller cars, not so much. Yeah, in general, I, I would agree with you. I don't, I don't think Elon wants to do like over 500 miles of range right now. I think they just want to put less cells into each car. That way they can make more cars overall with the new 4680s. Um, obviously, long term, probably they'll bump it up, you know, over 500. But as Elon said, like 400 is like more than enough for most people. So, yeah. Yeah, and you got to remember, like, you, you need to remain like uh, competitive with the market. So if the market goes higher, you need to, yeah. to, 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 to provide those ranges. But if, if the market can't, it isn't even there, why would you offer and destroy your margins like more and more range? Even though people might want it, that doesn't mean, you know, you, they'll necessarily want to pay more. So it, it, it's a tough balance between how much batteries you put in a car, how much range you give it and what price you sell it at. So. I think another big reason you offer more range too, like down the line is to, you know, unlock more demand. But right now they have more than enough because they can't even make enough cars for the current demand. So if they, you know, come out with a, like 500 mile one Y, like I can't imagine what the wait time would be. Absolutely. I mean, if I can get more cars out for less range, I'm going to do it, especially when there's demand for it. All right. Thanks a lot. And we're taking the next caller, Usman. You're up. Usman, unmute hey, and guys. speak. Yep. Sorry, I'm back. Um, yeah, another thing I, I saw was, uh, um, I think uh, it, it, it was tough, Sam, from battery day that Elon just reiterating about um, when he was showing the slide for 71% annual growth compound, uh, he said he sees that continuing for foreseeable future. So, um that's a lot more than any of the Wall Street stuff uh, analysts are expecting. Um, do you guys think uh, that's what we're, we're going to see? I, I, I would say so. Um, like, like, I'm not, I don't think we have an inside look exactly at the, the, the supply constraints that they're facing now. But I think Elon is is confident that you know it'll work itself out in during 2022, and yeah, I, I see them being able to ramp uh, uh, significantly and, and uh, maybe even above their guidance. Yeah, they definitely showed it this quarter. Yeah, this year it was probably going to finish very very strong. So. Yeah, that would bring 10 million cars very soon, yeah. like in four or five years. Yeah, yeah. well, their aim is 20 million 
and you know uh, like uh, Elon mentioned the like the the current production is around a hundred million a year and so so that would be like one fifth of the world production uh, of cars would come from Tesla and i I don't see this as being like unbelievable or yeah. or unrealistic or you know some wild dream yeah this is what they're aiming for and i think they'll get there you got to remember like the manufacturing he's been hammering on that like for so long like tesla's moat will be manufacturing it will not be like necessarily evs of course they're they're ahead of the curve from everybody from efficiency from battery production and their vertical in uh, uh, vertical integration and in vertically integrating everything they can so they have those efficiencies, but the manufacturing, I think that Elon is, and the teams are, you know, uh, like rewriting and, uh, the book on that. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I see a lot of interesting stuff like coming out of, uh, of Tesla. And I sure hope that one day we'll have like a Tesla manufacturing day. Well, they'll, they'll give us a little bit of insights of their, what they've been doing. Yeah. I've been asking that for like about a year now. Never got a response from Elon, but fingers crossed, maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, I love that how confident he is when he says that about manufacturing and his goals for the cause. I love that. Thanks. Thanks, guys. That's it. Thanks a lot, Usman. We have David. You're next. All right. Okay. There we go. Um, I got two quick questions. So one is, um, for those of you who are privy to rumors or inside information, have they been putting any 4680s into semi-trucks for the purposes of testing any prototypes or anything on that front? And then the other quick question is just, we learned that Cybertruck is going to have hardware for as far as full self-driving is concerned. Um, and I know there's cameras for side views and the fenders on the front and that kind of stuff. And there's been discussion amongst beta testers, especially I think Chuck Cook around uh, further forward cameras for being able to make turns safely and see, see cars at stop signs instead of having to creep. Does anybody have thoughts or um, ideas on whether there's going to be a camera update and some other things within the hardware four package and whether that might also backtrack into threes and Ys and S's and such? Um, I'm not sure about a camera update, but as far as the 4680s, you know, they are putting 4680s into test vehicles right now, um, but I'm not sure if they're doing that for the semi. I, I would assume that they're probably, I mean, they may have done like one or two prototypes, but I, I think they're really just focused on the Cybertruck and the Model Y right now. So, but I don't, I don't know for sure. I think we definitely do know that the production semi is going to have 4680s in it. So if they're talking about a 2022 launch, I wouldn't be surprised if they've got at least a test. Yeah, the uh, yeah, yeah outside, outside of the production, like the most like time consuming thing of, of, of these batteries is actually testing them out in the field. Uh, like they, they do some aging, uh, uh, like in the factory, 
like where, in the production facility where they manufacture them. So they do like room temperature aging and high temperature aging. And these processes are basically made to make like defects uh, detectable because, uh, you know, by doing these cycles, uh, they generate like small defects tend to grow and become detectable. But aside from that, the real like acid test is basically putting them in a vehicle and charging them and going on the road and going up a hill and drawing huge amounts of power and then bringing it back and analyzing, you know, what's going on. So it makes sense. Right. Which is why the semi. Yeah, exactly. It would be a perfect platform. (laughs) And on top of that, like we know some of the batteries, like, uh, like Sawyer mentioned, a lot of them are being stockpiled, but a lot of them are also being shipped to labs for, for, for actual testing. So there's these cycles of testings that labs are known to do and provide like results to the manufacturers uh, on their batteries. So I'm guessing they're, they're going on many fronts and I, I, I wouldn't see them like not having, like Omar said, like one or two semis with 4680s. Right. I just thought someone might have had a more concrete, um, you know, somebody, somebody mentioned something more concrete. So, and what about on hardware four? What are, what are your thoughts? Any of your well, thoughts? Well, four that? is an, in, yeah, four is an interesting number for Cybertruck, but aside from that, uh, yeah, we, I don't think we have more info on that. Yeah. So we're going to yeah, take so, the next. Uh, here's what we know about hardware four. It's going to be a five nanometer Samsung process. So the current, uh, chip is 14 nanometers. So when you have, you know, a shorter distance, the electricity can move faster. The chip gets faster. So it should be, you know, roughly three times faster, which is going to be great. And, uh, have a lot of new functionality. We know it's going to have a new set of cameras, probably higher resolution um, and, you know, any associated changes they want to make there. I know some people have been debating about whether some changes would help. If there's anything they want to do, they'll do it in that hardware four, and that'll debut with the Cybertruck in the second half of 2022. Um, and until then we'll be using hardware three for at least the next Does that mean that, that current owners of, of hardware that have prepaid for stuff are going to get free upgrades again? They're not going to get free upgrades. There may be an upgrade available but that you can pay for, but the software is going to be backwards compatible. If you think about an iPhone, you know, you got the iPhone 12, iOS 15 comes out, you download iOS 15, or you buy the new iPhone 13 and that also has iOS 15 on it. The reason why people needed to get upgraded from hardware 2.5, which was the NVIDIA chip to hardware 3, was that Tesla added a new NPU, a neural network accelerator. So this neural network accelerator didn't exist on 2.5. And if they wanted to basically program for it with the FSD software, they couldn't. Now we've got a NPU on the existing chip. The new and the new ship will have a faster NPU, but they'll still be backwards compatible so that the software can run on both. So hardware four will be better, but hardware three will still be able to do driverless. Or so they say, you know, things could change. But that's what they're I got a question, Alex. I had um, the time of my life at the shareholder meeting last year, got to hang out with Omar and Amy and K10. 
And um, I think it'd be cool if we could do a somehow do an in-person get together around shareholder meetings. Um, you know, maybe Tesla is going to keep doing a virtual thing. I don't know, but. Oh, hopefully not. I hope, yeah. I hope the, the virtual thing, this is the last year of virtual stuff. Yeah. Cause everybody wants to also visit Giga Texas. Like they're going to be visiting tomorrow. Uh, is it tomorrow or the day after tomorrow? Giga Berlin. Yeah. Two days from now. Um, yeah, everybody's going to want to see uh, Giga Texas. So I imagine like future shareholder meetings is going to be open to everybody. But I agree with you. Yeah. And yeah. Amy and I should be able to be there. I don't know if she can speak, but. <laughs> she's, she's Amy sober. sober. I think she's so shy. <laughs> Doesn't want to unmute. <laughs> She's probably screaming at her phone right now. Just <laughs> <laughs> but that would be fun, Bradford. It was fun on Battery Day. Okay, so V, VI. Yeah. Hey, hey, everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to express my appreciation to this whole group and community over the past couple of years, been following you all and uh, helped build a lot of conviction around. I've invested initially in Tesla probably 2015, but just a little bit. And then within the last two years, with all your help, have kind of put in a lot more. And um, so it's great. And thank you all. And I wanted to share some insights. I just had a Powerwall and a solar, to, you know, Tesla solar installed last two days in my house. 16 kilowatt system, two Powerwalls. They did it in a day and a half. The crews were really good, very professional, well-organized. Because, you know, everybody kind of talks kind of trash about Tesla Solar sometimes. Like, I went through Costco. I did the whole comparison shopping and everything. And, you know, they were quoting me like $80,000 for the same system. Tesla's was $50,000. And that's before the uh, federal tax credit. So, you know, net $13,000 off of that. And all the competitors are saying how, well, you can't go with Tesla because their customer service sucks. And what if the product breaks? I had none of those issues. It was like clockwork. They sh the crews were well-led, well-organized. The lead guy, his name's Eric, showed up 7.30 a.m. The crew was done in a day and a half. And I'm on like 100% on solar every day. Uh, well, you know, since yesterday. And it's been clockwork. So I just want to share that, you know, and I'll be sharing more down the line in terms of how the system grows and expands and how I use it. But I'm super happy. And I just want to say I, I am in the North Dallas area. What, with what happened last winter, I just had to kind of protect my family, you know, and I didn't want to buy a old dirty generator and all that to kind of keep, you know, to kind of... Uh, you know, prevent any kind of power outages or, or kind of deal with that. So, you know, happy to answer any questions, anybody on, on you know, Tesla Solar, but I have, you know, uh, multiple Teslas on order, uh, getting ready to kind of deliver, take delivery of Model Y as well. So just want to share that feedback. And by the way, the crew were, they're all vested in stock options. I talked to them, they're growing about 50% year over year. And they have a team that does the electrical work, one that does the roof. And then the day after they were done, 
uh, they have a quality control guy. His name's Matt showed up today at my house, climbed up on the roof, spent 30 (coughs) minutes checking the quality of the work, asked for my feedback and it was all good. Like they have their kind of act together as super organized. I'm super pleased. And you know, the system worked flawlessly. I mean, I only lost power for about an hour when they switched out the meters. But once they put in the new meter, I was literally up and running within a day and a half. So super, yeah. That's amazing. So I just wow, to kind of share that with this community. Yeah. And if you guys have any questions, I'm happy to answer it. Yeah, that's a great story. You know, we normally hear about people yeah. buying a Tesla vehicle and then deciding to get solar. But kind of hearing you come at it from the other way around, I'm, I'm sure there's many people who are in a similar situation to you with all these power interruptions who decided you know, to get the Tesla energy and are now maybe considering a car too. I think it's, you know, people hate on the solar city acquisition so much, but let's say you decide, okay, I I don't want to generate any more emissions from my transportation and I want to move to completely zero emissions. Who, what company can do that for you? There's really only one that can give you an integrated solution where you have solar on your roof, you're storing it in your power walls, you're using it to charge your cars and it's a completely closed loop off the grid. There's other companies that can do it. You know, you could use multiple companies, but Tesla's got it all in one app. And that is a really great difference. Yeah, it was super compelling. And just share a little bit more about finances. Like I've comparison shopped everything. Tesla, like I said, was 50 grand instead of 80 grand. And I went through Costco and all that. And I've done the math. I could either pay my, you know, Encore, which is my electrical provider company, I could either pay them $300 a month on average, or I could pay Tesla the same, right? And my system pays for itself in about five to seven years. And then I have free electricity for the life of the system after that. It's kind of a no-brainer. It's like, if you do the math on that, like, I, I will, and then I'll be able to charge probably, you know, two, three Teslas with the power that I'm going to store for free. So it's like free gas, free electricity after five to seven years. And instead of paying my power company $300 a month for life, I just pay Tesla for five to seven years, you know, at 1% interest, $5,000 down. And it's a no brainer. Like it, it just makes financial sense as well. Yeah, you gotta you gotta tweet your story out. I, I've actually us, tweeted and it. And we'll retweet yeah, it. It's, it. Okay, yeah, but it's, you need to tag us. Yeah, I, you I, need to tag us and we'll we'll give you some some signal boost. Yeah, yeah. All right. I'll tag you guys, I'll retweet it. But I, I, I just wanna share and that's my purpose because I think a lot of people don't know about this side of the business and they still, you know, kinda think that Tesla's not very mature because they're hating on the solar city acquisition. I get it. By the way, two of the supervisors moved from Southern California to Dallas to grow with the team. And they were from Solar City. So they've been with the company for like five to seven years. And they, they love it. They're all vested and their teams are great. So I had a good chat with them. And, you know, they're, they're a happy crew. Oh, yeah. Just, just tag us or DM me or DM us and uh, I'll give you a retweet for sure. It's a cool story. All right. Sounds yep. good. Well, hey, thanks, everybody. Thanks, man. Thanks a lot. So we'll take one more caller, Jack. Jack, you're next. You're up. Hey, can you hear me? Yep. 
Uh, so good to meet you guys. Sawyer, I know I, I messaged you recently. Alex, I think you and I have actually been back and forth a few times a while back. Um, I really just want to introduce my, you know, myself to you guys. I've, I've seen the community for quite some time. Um, I worked at, uh, I work at a financial firm in New York city now, but I worked at Exxon for about seven years. And, uh, I first bought Tesla shares back in, it had to be 2013, 2014, whenever they IPO would obviously, but I was, uh, my main goal was to pay my student loans with them. And, uh, obviously it exceeded that particular outcome, but, um, I want, I, I was always very impressed by the community on Twitter and, and things like that. I obviously due to my new job have to be a little bit mindful about what I do and don't talk about, um, working in the financial uh, sector and such now. But, uh, you know, prior to that, uh, I'm an energy guy by trade and I'm a chemist, uh, by training undergrad. Uh, I was a chemistry major and now I'm, I'm doing an MBS in sustainability. And, uh, you know, when you start looking at the consumer becoming the utility and the utility becoming the consumer, I, I just wanted to reiterate on here to everybody that, when that paradigm breaks and you and you calculate, let's say, the monetization of the arbitrage of electricity back and forth, uh, even if you take a very, very small percentage of it and you distribute that ac across the grid, if, uh, if Tesla or any utility has any brains, you know, they, that's a trillion dollar, you know, bucket of money to, to pull into. Um, but then also, like, it just makes sense to do it that way. Like, why would the old archaic way of having a utility distribute to, to hundreds of homes miles away? rather than the home, you know, the microgrid uh, distributing sideways to each other really just made sense so much, so much time ago. And uh, it, it, it's wild to me that it's actually taken this long for us to do it. And I could see why, right? There's, there's, there's obviously forces working in all directions. Um, but to, to put in perspective, like Exxon was the, the earliest people to do hydrocarbons, right? And to really understand that system so well. I mean, that didn't do well for anybody, unfortunately. It did improve the quality of life and, you know, it was what was available at the time. Um, but I would see Tesla as probably the earliest paradigm shifter of the electricity distribution and storage, you know, space. And uh, when you think about GM and Ford, and I'm, I'm watching all of them try to, you know, catch up at this point, um, you know, the first, the, the principal side of it, you know, fighting the first principles as they have as an entity, as, as Tesla has, um, that is going to take quite some time to overwhelm. And so like, you know, I'm a, I'm a value investor at heart and uh, I love to watch somebody have a lead and hold on to it. And in this particular case, if they succeed on Berlin and, and Texas, the way that they did in Shanghai, I just, I don't, I don't see the purpose of having five other you know, heritage automakers who have to, you know, cannibalize their existing fleet. Uh, they have to depreciate that over time and then try to develop a, an existing or new system to adjust to the new paradigm. And it's just, it's, it's actually overwhelming to think about what they've done in the amount of time they've been given Tesla. And then all the, you know, the naysayers, um, like it's, it's wild to think about. So I, I appreciate a lot of what you guys do, but I, I also want to introduce myself and, and more put myself on the scene and, and, in windows like this. So that's a little more discreet, obviously. Um, and as a, as an expert in the energy field for quite some time, um, I will, I will eventually be working as an individual, you know, individual investor and probably on my own fund at some point. But um, for now I'm trying to learn like the operations of the business and to be on this side so that I can see the, the inner workings. Um, but I'm sure that at one point there'll be a Jack's cap and it'll be similar to nothing. It'll be only ESG things. And so I, I anticipate replicating this ESG model um, probably within three years out there on the public market. So I just want to introduce myself to you guys. I really appreciate the invite. Um, you know, that's all, that's all I've got.
Yeah, uh, j- just just a little comment. I, I don't see your uh, Twitter handle and profile on your. Uh, yes, I'll make your sure, call in profile. I'll make sure I add yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, and and like like uh, Sawyer mentioned with V, like uh, VI, just you know, don't be shy. Tag us, DM us, and we'll we'll, we'll give of you course. some signal. Yep. And we're curious to read to, to to see your insights on on how this all develops. Absolutely. Yeah, and the the one thing I'm focusing on in terms of like looking forward is long duration energy storage, which is more like the three to twelve hour type of stuff, as well as uh, silicon anode uh, consumer staple battery replacement. Um, and then also the, the mentioning the, he keeps mentioning iron, and that's obviously an indication to like LFP chemistry versus NMC, and and also Forum Energy, uh, ESS Inc. are all doing long duration energy storage with iron batteries, and so. Um, you know, that's something I'm obviously looking at. I don't, Tesla doesn't do long duration. I mean, they do in the case that their installations could last 10 or 12 hours, but I think it's going to be really important that they, you know, those systems will work well, but I think they have just enough of a sandbox to own the zero to five hour, which is a great market to be in for their product, you know? Uh, but why do, why do you say they, they can't do long term? So well, they, no, they. I mean, they can. It's just more difficult to scale with traditional lithium-ion batteries or or traditional electrolyte batteries. And so, um, levelized cost of electricity for utilities or large-scale projects is going to become more efficient to do iron or flow batteries just just for storage okay, side, yeah. like for the long for the long duration and for the large megawattage. And it's more for load balancing than it is for residential. Like I wouldn't call it. Um, like I think the Australia installation is probably just about pushing the scalability limit, which was the point of it, right? Um, but I think that now that flow batteries are they're starting to monetize those patents in ESS and in EOSE and Forum Energy, et cetera, I think that that creates a, a good division. I hope one day that Tesla does get into the long duration energy storage market because it's it's economic it's more economic than I would have thought by this point. And I wouldn't be, I would hope that they would purchase somebody who does it because they have all of the manufacturing know-how, like you guys have been saying, um, it really would make a lot of sense um, for them to get into it. And it would kind of allow them to own the zero to 12 hour storage market, which is very sizable. um, If you look out five years from now, when you look at the problems with the grid and, and what they're seeing, and when you displace, you know, utility gas, natural gas generation for electricity, let's say that uh, you know, let's say they own 5% of that market as it depletes from natural gas to renewable sources, you know, that's a very, that's a lot of money. Um, so like it would, it would be very beneficial for them. Jack, what would be an example of a long duration battery? Uh, so, you know, essentially you have you like in concept. Yeah. Just what, what is it? So, so, a so, uh, long duration energy storage system, if you will, is, is, you know, there's zinc bromide, which is a traditional liquid electrolyte, and that can dispose out until like 12 hours. But the, the real next generation is a large tank of electrolyte that actually just transfers uh, electrons from one solution to another over a permeable membrane. And the main difference is that uh, it can, it can balance loads over 10 to 16 hours. And so if you want to do that with lithium ion, you have to stack, let's say, nine or 10 batteries to do four hours each way. And that's, you know, 36 to 40 hours. Whereas in the case of this electrolyte, you can have one tank that can manage 16 hours and you just make the tank bigger and that tank could become 20 to 24 to 30 hours, et cetera. 
And it doesn't, you don't necessarily have to deploy multiple systems to do it. You just have to scale up the one system to, to, and over time that electrolyte transfers from one side of the system to the other. And that would be, you know, more efficient for the 12 hour time than running through all of the lithium ion systems over, over that same duration. And so, um, when you look at the levelized cost of electricity, it used to be way higher because people were focusing on vanadium oxides for flow batteries. But since they've switched to iron, the cost of the system is way lower than they would have thought. And that's now competitive to the lithium ion cost. Um, and as you, you know, iron is far more you know, easily attainable today than lithium just because of the supply chain problems that are going to happen. And so when you look at like Duke Energy and some of these people, why wouldn't they install on these sites um, large electrolyte tanks? That when their system has, you know, 10 hours for a community that needs energy, why wouldn't they use this long duration energy storage system as either a backup or some type of brownout support, etc. Um, the other added bonus is that there's no flammability. So permitting and all those environmental concerns go away. Um, and it's just there's too many benefits to really walk away from it at this point. And, you know, the economics are there, which wasn't the case six years ago. But the DOE has been working on this for a decade, so it's not as if it didn't come without hard work. But um, for me, I, I hope Tesla does something with it, either purchases it or works on it in-house, because if you own zero to 12 hours, that's a majority of what we'll need for the, for the DER and the, and the microgrid kind of you know, system, if you will, if done correctly or op, you know, optimized. And uh, if you could answer sh- with a short answer, um, Sorry. no, 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 it's fine. Is, is this something that's more cost effective than the mega pack? Um, on when it goes past, it's, as of today, twelve. When it goes past twelve, yes, uh, under twelve, it's it's competitive. You know, either either could win. But once you get get past the like ten to twelve mark, it's it's the levelized cost of electricity is lower. Like you wouldn't use this for residential though. This would only be for like utility commercial scale. Cool. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, they're yeah, at they're uh, at about eighty. The, the cheapest I've seen was eighty dollars. Where I think the lithium, you know, when they do the lithium, it's about a hundred. Um, I think I've seen seventy. I've seen well, I'm permitting. I've seen seventy. I don't know if that's the end cost of it, but on the permit they said seventy. So. Um, it's definitely down there and you know, the materials are going to change if they do like an organic membrane, it's way lower, but nobody's actually patenting that yet. Yeah. But make, make sure to tag us or DM us your tweets when you come out with information. I'm curious and we'll give you a follow and a little signal boost and look into that. Sounds interesting. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Guys. Thanks a lot, Jack. Have a great night, man. Alex, good to see you. Sawyer, Bradford, Amy. Um, I'm sure I'll try to meet up with you guys in the next shareholder meeting if I, if I can. Yeah, and K10 and Omar, don't forget about them. Yes, and K10 and Omar as well. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't scroll down. Uh, good to meet you guys. Have a great night. You Thanks well. a lot, Jack. Yeah, you too. You know, I think one thing that's so great about the Tesla community is the diverse, you know, set of experts and minds and just, you know, people could give great opinions. And it's just, you know, the wealth of knowledge in our community, I think, is so underappreciated among an outside. It's huge. Yeah. I got to say, like, the Stephen Mark Ryan video about Chamath uh, went into that. Chamath actually mentioned that on Twitter, he got so much knowledge from, you know, experts. Yeah, I really recommend that video. Uh, well, everybody knows who Stephen Mark Ryan is, uh, solving the money problem. But, yeah, he, he did an analysis on 
I think from 2016 or 17 videos from Chamath. And yeah, he said some pretty, pretty smart stuff. Hmm. Worth listening to. Definitely. So we've been going for about an hour and 41. Um, maybe we should uh, call it. I think we've had a good discussion. Yeah. Else, anyone else has anything to talk about? Now or yeah, I, th- I think we're going to shut it down. Omar is going to be opening another room uh, oh, okay. to, just to chill, and okay. Uh, so yeah, go ahead, Sawyer. Cool. Yeah, well, thank thank everyone for uh, joining and listening. You can uh, follow our Twitter Twitter handle to get updated for future episodes, which is at official xpod. We also have a YouTube channel um, xpod as well, um, and we'll be uploading this video uh, or this episode, I should say. As well as we all have all fu- our future episodes will be there and all past episodes that are currently there. So, yeah, check us out. Uh, make sure to follow people on stage if you want. And, uh, yeah, sorry about the bugs tonight. It was, <laughs> I think it's because we had a record room. I mean, this is our biggest room yet. So, uh, but hopefully, you know, next room the bugs won't be as bad. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just got to say, like, the app crashed for me, and I had updated everything before we opened it, and it gave me another update. Oh. So, yeah, so that was weird, and it went much smoother after I got the other update. So I don't know if, like, yeah. David Sachs basically, like, called this team as, yeah, you got to put that out right now, but I got it. <laughs> I got an update during this episode. <laughs> and, it, yeah, and it went much better afterwards. Thank you, David. Yeah, thanks, David. <laughs> I All see right. Axel. Axel is in the audience. Maybe he knows, but maybe Axel was. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks a lot, everybody, and uh, see you soon. Yep. See you guys. Bye.